0: The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkill will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willette professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, this week is going to be kind of a special episode. Uh, as I'm recording this, it's Mother's Day in the U.S., and uh, I thought it would be nice to talk to my mom, Kathy, about uh, body piercing, you know, and uh, we talk a lot about really my entire career arc, you know, from memories uh, that she had when when I was 10, and you know, I first got my earlobe pierced uh, all the way up in, until now, and... Um, You know, she was always really supportive of me, you know, I I can't thank her enough, you know, her and my dad, uh, you know, really gave me the the foundation I needed to to succeed in life, you know, and I'm really appreciative of that, so uh, I just wanted to talk to my mom and, uh, you know, kind of share some stories, some of them were kind of embarrassing, Um, I realized after listening to it that I was a little bit too honest, and maybe gave a, a little bit uh, too much detail and too many names to some stories that are are better left um, for, you know, the personal kind of circle, so uh, I did a, a couple of edits on the show, a little like um, Morty's Mind Blowers, and there might be some kind of weird jump cuts in it, and uh, please realize that it was just because I, I felt like I was sharing a little bit too much personal information, so uh, also please keep in mind that I'm talking a lot about piercing myself as like a child, you know, I, it, between the ages of like 12 and like 16, you know, so we're talking like the early to mid-90s, um, I was not a professional. I said a lot of things, uh, just honestly, you know, the stuff that I was doing, you know, when I was a teenager, um, please don't try that. You know, maybe I could make a, an excuse for myself back in the nineties when, you know, there, there wasn't a piercing shop in, you know, in every city, offering stuff, you know, and tattoo shops weren't, weren't, weren't even piercing, you know, like, where was I going to learn, you know? So you know, I, I'll make some excuses for myself, um, but, you know, I did a lot of irresponsible and reckless stuff. You know, I, I you know, just, it was a unreasonable risk. Uh, I shouldn't have done it, you know, and I, I was working on other people, you know. So, um, you know, I I did start to learn, you know, through my later teens, and, you know, I got into, you know, professional mentality and and working safer, you know, and, and went wherever I went with it. But, you know, keep in mind that a lot of this stuff, just like, you uh, you know, with Elaine Angel's book and Jim Ward's book, you know, you have to talk honestly about how you got into this stuff, you know, and, and this is like a, a historic document. This is not a how-to. Um, you know, I'm talking about piercing myself with safety pins in my bedroom, you know, please don't do that. You know, there's no excuse for it. You can go out and get uh, a, a body piercing professionally and, and safely in any city I- at this point, you know, so just please don't be stupid, uh, because I was I was stupid. Um, so, anyway... Uh, let's talk to my mom a little bit and uh, maybe make things a little bit more lighthearted. So uh, thanks for sticking around for a special episode with my mom and uh, happy Mother's Day. All right. So have have you ever listened to a podcast before? Yes. Okay. So you have like a concept of it's just, you know, radio show, basically just talk about whatever casually. You don't have to be stuffy or anything, but just to reiterate, you know, Lots of peers and friends and colleagues and whatnot are listening, so uh, I totally expect embarrassing stories to come up, but, you know, be gentle. <laughs> so um, this is my mom, everyone. Her name is Kathy. And Hello. Today's Mother's Day, and uh, so this is, this is kind of awkward. This is kind of a weird thing to start off because like normally like when I I do these all the time and like I'm totally fine using like a professional voice like my teacher voice my like work voice but it's like I never use that talking to you so it's like really this feels weird
1: yes it does a little bit
0: (laughs) yeah so how about we just pretend like you're at work and I'm at work and we're just talking about stuff
1: yeah okay Okay.
0: all right so it's Mother's Day and uh you know I just wanted to be corny first and and Show some appreciation because uh, I I talked about it a couple of minutes ago. I recorded like a little intro thing before you got here, just saying that uh, you've always been like really supportive of me through my piercing career. And I'm sure it wasn't super easy for you at first before it was a career when I was just like a moody teenager. So uh, I wanted to kind of start off just by asking you, like, what's your what's your first memory of me being interested in body piercing? Not necessarily professionally, but just in general.
1: Oh, I don't remember how old you were specifically, but you were young, like you started negotiating like when you were around ten. And then we were at the dentist office, you remember?
0: Yes. Actually I yeah. I want to hear your version of the story because then I'm gonna tell my version of the story.
1: Okay, because I I know that you think I pushed you into it, but I didn't. It was the dentist who said that because you wanted to get a piercing that I should allow you to do that. And I thought, well, I don't know. I was really torn between whether or not I wanted to open that door. Mm -hmm. Then I started thinking about it and it was like, well, why not? You know, you can have a piercing if you want it. Mm -hmm. So then we went and had a, had you pissed okay so open the floodgates
0: <laughs> that is your recollection of it and my recollection of it was very similar but slightly different because i i remember i think it was like around 10 ish something like that and yeah. i uh was getting my teeth cleaned and the dentist basically said something along the lines of like oh yeah you know if if somebody gets it when they don't really want it that'll kind of push them away from it and they'll they won't want it again kind of thing and then the two of you were having the conversation where you were like oh okay well you know let's get your ear pierced kind of like a going along with it sort of thing and I was like I don't know that I necessarily want my my ear pierced I, I think I was open to it but I didn't actively want it want my ear pierced at that point and um, so we went to the mall to to Claire's and I I got an earring and I, re- I remember the situation just being like little stars and little sparkly things. And I was like, I, I don't want that. I just want like a black ball or something. Blah. So I got the <laughs> earring and totally loved it. Totally loved having an earring, but didn't necessarily like the experience of, of getting pierced uh, like there because it just felt like very, I don't know. Maybe it, like, planted the seed in the back of my mind where it just felt very, like, mall-ish, plastic-ish. But uh, my my thought process at the time and what I would joke about with, like, my friends was, yeah, she wanted me to get this so that I would never want to get another one. And it was, like, completely the opposite, where I think it was, like, probably not too soon after that that I started, like, doing them myself with, like, sewing needles and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. That uh, is... Definitely not as I remember it. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's how I remember it anyway, so let's say it's somewhere in the middle, but um, yeah, it was interesting. So after, after that, like around 10ish, like do you, do you like does anything else pop out in your in your memory as like stuff before I was like a, working towards being a professional? Because there are a couple things that stick out in my mind, but I have kind of like a hazy memory about mm-hmm. when it was.
1: Um, but I want to say, I knew that you were practicing, like, in school, which was not probably the best venue. Right. And I knew that you were practicing in your room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, on the list of... (laughs) The list of things that, you know, teenagers can do in their bedrooms aside, uh, yeah, like, (laughs) I, I, so I, I remember, um... Again, it's like fuzzy as to exactly when, but I remember that you got called into the school once uh, when I was, I'm going to guess around 14, something like that. Yeah. And they were like, uh, you know that he's like pushing safety pins through his like face and his arm and and stuff like that in school. And, you know, we're we're concerned that it's like self-harm and cry for help and all that stuff. And I remember that you like tore the counselor a new asshole over it, which was kind of, Hilarious. I don't know if that's your same recollection of it.
1: Well, that's that was part of it But it wasn't the entire story the mm-hmm. entire story was and I'm only gonna touch on it Because otherwise we would be here for four hours um I was not Just called into the school because you were trying to pierce your arm in class but you freaked out a girl um, completely and you had on your notebook all these Marilyn Manson lyrics and stuff <laughs> and that was a thing that prompted that whole hullabaloo was you know he's going to be a serial killer he's going to oh my god this is only the top of it you know you were wearing your eye makeup and your, your black fingernail polish and you went totally goth and it scared the crap out of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, calm down. You know, um, I never saw it as threatening. Other people did. So I was in there going to battle. Yeah. almost. I, basically every week. Not and every
0: week, but there was no, there was a patch.
1: No, it was just about every week. Well, you had no idea well, how often I was at the school. Even mm-hmm. when you were on holiday, I was in talking to the principal mm-hmm. because I w- was not going to allow them to do that to you.
0: Which I appreciate because I'm I'm sure yeah. people's parents could easily go the other way and be like, "What's wrong with you? Let's ship you off to military school or whatever."
1: Well, that was a thought.
0: Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and um, you know, there was that that era, you know, where uh, I I was aware of body piercing. You know, I, I I would see it in like magazines, or I would see like the the tribal version of it in like National Geographic or something like that. But there wasn't there wasn't a lot of exposure to it because you know where we live, New England wasn't really like a hotbed of of activity for that kind of stuff. You know, so there weren't really Studios offering a lot of piercing and and there weren't really a lot of other people around that had stuff, you know, people that I could talk to. So it was like, I would go to, you know, when you, when you were working on the weekends and I would go to the mall, I would go to Barnes and Noble and I would like flip through the tattoo magazines and, uh, you know, tattoo savage and all that stuff. And I would see body piercing in there and I'd be like, Oh my God, that's so cool. You know, I, I want it. And then I would go home and I would try to like do some of this stuff on myself. And some of it, moderately successful and some of it like really not successful at all. And um, then when I was, I think it was 16, you know, maybe it had to have been at least 16 because I I had my car at that point. And do you remember my friend John? Mm -hmm. Okay. So did you say it in a grumbly sort of way? But uh, so uh, my friend John was uh, in high school and he was like, oh yeah, I'm really excited. I'm going to, after school, I'm going to go and get my nipples pierced by this friend of mine. And I was like... Cool, I'll go with you, and I'll get it done too. Why not? I'm 16, uh, and so we went to uh, we went to the the head shop up here, and that's that was the only place where you could buy piercing needles. Bought that, went to his friend, and and got our nipples pierced. And I think that was like the major page for me, you know, because it was like okay, that there are other people out there that are into this. There are other people that can do these things for me that I can't do myself uh, yet, and. Um, just kind of went with it, you know, so I got my nipples pierced and, you know, it, not a great situation, uh, you know, not in the realm of clean or professional or anything like that, but it was kind of like a, you know, open the door sort of thing. And then I got like, you know, maybe two or three other things from that person. And, uh, one thing that jumps out at me is we used to always go to like York beach on, in in the summers. And, uh, I had gotten my septum pierced And I was wearing a retainer flipped up for like a couple of months or something like that. And then uh, I was walking around at the beach and I was like, oh, I got to be cool and flip down my septum retainer. And I forgot to flip it back up when I was meeting you for food or, or something. And you just stared at it and you started chewing me out like on the sidewalk at the beach being like, what is that in your nose? And I was like, oh, right. Yeah.
1: Well, that's basically right. But that's you're not remembering you're not remembering it correctly you were actually outside the amusement place where you could play video games and stuff and you and Ben were on the platform that you would walk up to Uh and you were sitting down and I had specifically said to you when you got your ears pierced, ear pierced that that was the one thing I did not want you to do because I couldn't stand the way they looked.
0: The, like the whole bullring look?
1: It was, I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Couldn't stand it. I thought it was the ugliest thing, you know, and that was that. And we had what I thought was an agreement. So we yes went for no. the weekend. Well, we went for the weekend. and uh, And Michelle and I came up from the beach and uh, met up with you guys just outside the amusement park and you were having this um, avid conversation with Ben and it was down and you were like playing with it and then um, that's when I saw it and you flipped it up really quickly but it wasn't fast enough right? and yeah I was more than just a little pissed off about it
0: but to be fair, uh, I did have the foresight to wear a retainer in it around you for a while. So at least I tried a little bit.
1: Uh-huh. So,
0: but yes. So, so there was that. <laughs> and then i probably say uh, through the year that I was 16, which, you know, would have been like 1996.
1: And you uh, were younger uh, than that.
0: No, no, no. Because I, I specifically got. Uh, I know I got my nipples, my tongue, my septum, and my librette when I had it. I got them all from this, the same person. And I had to drive to get pierced by her. So I absolutely had to have been at least 16 because those were the first piercings that I ever got done with a, a piercing needle. So mm. the, the time, you might remember it is being a little bit fuzzy, but it would have had to have been around that time because I, I didn't have access to, to her to do those piercings until that time. So, 16ish. Um and then through that through that year, you know, uh that's when I was like, you know, like you said, super Marilyn Manson goth, and I would go to like concerts and then I would start seeing I'd meet other friends and they had piercings and it was like, "Oh, cool, I want to get this now and I want to get that now." And, and uh at the time, like body piercing was like really spiking in popularity as far as like a subculture in the in the US, you know. So, there was a lot more to see. You could you know, you get the magazines, but then in the back of the magazines, you could order videos that was like, you know, all talking about piercing and showing off techniques and, you know, recaps from a tattoo convention where they were doing awful body piercings, you know, so there was all that. Uh, I I was getting more access to that stuff. And then, um, you know, I I would have more and more piercings. And then my friends, you know, people at school or friends of friends would be like, oh, that's cool. I kind of want to get that. And so I started thinking like, well, you know, at this point, I, I'm already piercing myself. I'm I'm already finding places to get piercing needles and, and piercing jewelry. You know, you could order it out of a back of a magazine at that point. And so I was like, well, you know, I, I guess I could I could do your piercing, Ugh, you know. And so around the time that I hit 17-ish, you know, I started piercing friends of friends, and it was it was bad, you know. And it was it was one of those things where if you look back on it as like a kids being kids kind of thing. It's not so bad. But if I look back at, at it with my like professional piercer glasses on, it's like, Oh my God, I'm just glad I didn't do something really stupid, you know? But, um, you know, I would, I would go to a friend's house and like pierce them in their bedroom or they would come over our house and I would pierce them in the bathroom or something like that, you know? And then it got to a point where I started getting exposed to professional piercing, uh, you know, through whatever media. And I started realizing like, okay, people can make this, serious and like they can they can make it more safe and they can make it better and and all these different things and uh you know I started realizing like you know you have to have a sterilizer you have to have a setup or whatever and you know and we had that spare bedroom in the house that you let me basically kind of turn into like a little studio thing kind of and then I I don't remember exactly the age but I'm I'm pretty sure it was for my 18th birthday that you and my dad bought and bought me an autoclave do you remember around the time that that was? Remember that big stainless steel pressure cooking looking thing?
1: I bought, I gave you a pressure cooker.
0: You gave me a pressure cooker, but I realized pretty but you soon. You burnt the,
1: the bottom of the of the bathtub, the yellow bathtub with it.
0: Yeah, but that was an ugly bathtub anyway.
1: Yeah, well, you know.
0: Well, yes, but.
1: It really helps sell the house.
0: <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, You know, I realized really quickly that a pressure cooker couldn't do it because it, it couldn't hit a consistent temperature, you know? So I would, I would, I was using that for like myself for a while, uh, in one of those like, well, it's better than nothing kind of thing. And then I kind of realized that it's like, well, it's, it's not, it's barely better than nothing. So, uh, I, I talked to you guys into getting me the autoclave for my birthday. And that was like a, a big deal. You know, when I look back on it, it was like not a great autoclave, but it was like the most affordable one at the time. And it was something, you know? So then it turned into like, okay, I can, I can get tools I can do this I can do that and uh, so there's there's this company called gauntlet I don't know if you've ever like heard the, the, you yeah. know, the term so at the time they're you know they're they're out of business now defunct you know and it's it's more of like a uh, a recognizable brand name at this point, but they're not an operation. But at the time they were still doing classes and you could do classes on the West coast and classes on the East coast. And the class on the East coast was in New York. And I remember it off the top of my head, it was like somewhere around 500 bucks or, or something like that, which in the nineties was a lot more money than 500 bucks is now. And I, I, uh, I, I, got hired, quote unquote, at a friend's party in Boston because they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a party all night. I'm going to have a DJ and I'm going to have this and I'm going to have that. And I want you to come and be a be the piercer at it. And I was like, sure, I'm 18. That sounds like a great idea.
1: I remember that.
0: Yeah. And I went and I, I pierced people in a spare bedroom like all night. And uh, I, I felt like, you know. King shit a turd mountain kind of thing, you know. And I I made five hundred bucks, and I was like, oh my god, I have enough money to afford to go to the Gauntlet seminar, and I can be a real body piercer now. And and then instead of that, I I just bought like a bunch of my own stuff, and I was just like, nah, I can just figure it out. How hard could it be, you know? And I just bought more jewelry, and I bought more needles, (laughs) and and all that stuff. Um, so what was it like? And you know, if there ever was a crime or a statute of limitations, it's thankfully long since passed. But what was it like to you to have like a bunch of like my teenage friends coming over on Sundays and me piercing them? Did you feel like that was like this is a terrible idea uh, or was it like a he's just expressing himself with his friends or like how did you read
1: that? It was it was neither one of those. It was that I wasn't sure what direction you were going in, mm-hmm. but I trusted you enough to know that. You knew what you were doing.
0: I did not, but I had a I had a guess.
1: <laughs> I had when I used to get home from work, and you'd you'd call for me up in your room, and you'd say, "Mom, come on up for a second. I want to show you something." And for me, it was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> so <laughs> walking up the stairs was like you know the pit of death, and I'd get up there, and and uh, you. And do you remember swallowing fire oh yeah oh yeah that well
0: was... well let me let me let me back it up a little bit and i'll explain why and it's totally related to body piercing so uh
1: uh-huh.
0: uh this this book came out from uh there was a circus sideshow
1: yes i know all about that the jim
0: rose circus Sideshow. Yeah. yeah and at so at the time you know they did a, a bunch of different acts but in in the jim rose circus Sideshow, there was this guy named the enigma who was all tattooed like blue puzzle pieces I and there was this remember. other guy named Mr. Lifto and I was so fascinated by it like there were a couple of books that really like did me in like there was no going back once I like there was there was that uh, Jim Rose's book and there was another book called Modern Primitives and that was the the first exposure I had to scarification and, and a lot of like the heavier like body plague type of type of piercing and suspension and all that stuff and I had no idea and it like blew my mind realizing that that whole world existed outside of Pepperl Massachusetts you know <laughs> and um I went with my friend Bob when I was around 16 or something and Jim Rose played in Boston and I was like right up in the front row and I was like, this is amazing, you know, and you know, part of it was swallowing fire and I got, you know, you know, you experiment when you're a kid and I, you know, whatever. So yeah, I totally remember that and I'm glad that I didn't have like any significant facial hair yet at that point because I probably would have burned it off of my face.
1: Well, I get up to the top of the stairs and I, you told me to close my eyes. And then I took, I knew I was in trouble (laughs) immediately because I never knew. And uh, you said, okay, open your eyes. And then you blew out all this fire and I just looked at you and said, that may be something you want to do outside. Right. Yeah. And then I walked downstairs and had a nervous breakdown. Um, That's done.
0: (laughs) Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. So um, through that whole like 18, 19 year old realm, you know, I I was trying to get hired in in different studios, you know, and that's when I met Kevin and and his ex-wife. She worked at the the head shop where I was getting a lot of my piercings and jewelry, you know, in a different department. But we would kind of like bump into each other and, you know, she would talk about, her piercings I talk about my piercings and then she would say like oh you know I'm I'm an apprentice at this shop and my my boyfriend is an apprentice tattooer and you should come meet him and hang out so just hanging out and, you know I met Kevin and you know we became like fast friends and he's he was doing a lot of his like practice apprentice tattoos on me and then it, I just kind of started talking with the, the owners of the place about how oh, hey I was a piercer and you know if you ever need anything done that that she doesn't want to do, you know, here's my number, you know, and at the time I had business cards that had my pager number on it because there were no cell phones yet at that point, you know, so every now and then, you know, maybe once a month or once every other month or something, I would get a page and it'd be like, oh yeah, you know, some guy wants to get his dick pierced. You should, you should come in and do that. Cause you know, <laughs> you're the official like dick piercer here or whatever, you know, so I would go in and I would do that and, you know, didn't didn't do it often, but you know, just, just the fact that I could do something that was in a, a studio, not a great studio, but a studio, you know, and, um, that, that meant a lot to me. And then, uh, I worked at this place. Did I ever tell you about this place called? No. Okay. The where confused, is it? Well, where it was is on it? Amherst street in Nashua. I only worked there for about a month. I don't know if I ever told you about it because it was just a weird situation, but okay. So what it was. Is, I'm
1: familiar with the name, but I didn't. They're,
0: they're I way, out of, way out of business. They were only in business yeah. a couple of years and it was like not, is not a quality establishment. So uh, they had a, a help wanted sign uh, out front or or something like that, you know. And so I went in and I, I applied and my application or, or my interview was, uh, oh, you're going to pierce my wife. And I was like, R- really? You want just a complete stranger to just pierce your wife you know and I was like sure and I was just like bam 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 bam, did it and he was like oh okay well you're hired you know um, and at the time I was working at Hot Topic so I, you know I only had a couple of days every now and then that I could work there and I would go in like once or twice a week and uh, they had this terrible jewelry selection they, they had this little display case built into the wall and they had some jewelry in it and then below that was a portfolio and I was flipping through and it was just zoomed in pictures of just the piercing with the jewelry and I was like oh okay so, you know, you have a lot of the same kinds of piercings, you know, navel, 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 nipple, 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 nose, 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 and all with different jewelry. And I was like, oh, so this is kind of cool. And then I would like look at the case and I'd be like, oh, that's the same kind of jewelry. That's cool. You know, you bought a second one, you took a picture of it in somebody. And so they know what it would look like. And be like, oh, no, 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 that's just the jewelry from the case. I put it in this this person that works here. And then we just put it back in the case after we took the picture. And I was like, well, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> Shock. Right. So there was that, and, uh, you know, it was basically just like a walk-in closet, and they they had a sterilizer, you know. But uh, I I did a couple of piercings there. Um, I think I pierced two or three people there, and then I just got this super bad vibe because it was called because it was a massage parlor. And then, yep, I see the look on your face. So, (laughs) so...
1: Did they get busted?
0: I have no idea. I, I, I quit pretty quickly. But, so...
1: I think they got busted.
0: I would not be shocked. So they, you know, they said we do different things. We do, you know, uh we do skin, skin care stuff and we do a little of this and a little of that. and We do therapeutic massage and then we do, oh, and then we do private massage. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. I, no idea. I was just a 19-year-old kid that was just psyched that I could like work somewhere. So I, you know... Either I was naive or just not paying attention or, you know, subconsciously just ignored it. But, um oh,
1: that sounds totally unlike you.
0: Totally. Because, uh, you know, laser sharp focus. So uh, <laughs> um, so I did a couple of piercings and I, I literally didn't even get paid at all when I was there because it was something like, you know, we'll pay you every other week or something. And I didn't do anything. And then in the, like the home stretch of me working there, you know, I did a, two or three piercings, you know. And then uh, this woman came out of, like, the back massage area wearing, like, lingerie. And then the client came out the other door and just, like, was, like, looking down at the floor and just walked straight out. And they were like, oh, yeah, um, don't talk to those kinds of clients because they'll get nervous. And I'll be like, what do you mean those kinds of clients? And she's like, oh, you know, the private clients. And I was like, uh. And then it clicked for me. And I was like, oh, this is a hand job place. So I, I just quit. Um, I went in, and maybe uh, okay. Right. Well, whatever. Um, PG version. Uh, so uh, I quit, and then I was all bummed out because you know, well, what am I gonna do now? You know, and uh, then I uh, you know, I was back to my Hot Topic job, and you know, just piercing people on the side whenever you know. And uh, then I, I got this call at Hot Topic, and he was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm opening a new." studio and I want you to come in and, and apply for, you know, interview for a piercing position and so I was like, I get off of work at 7 I'll be there at 7.15 and you know and went straight there and we had an interview and, and I got hired that day and then, you know, within a couple of weeks I, had, I had quit Hot Topic and then kind of went from there so what's your recollection of that time period or how much was I telling you versus how much you were picking up on?
1: Oh, well, I didn't know about but I I didn't know you were there. Yeah. Um but I yeah, I remember that you know, things automatically come to you. You're blessed, you know, things you work hard, you study, you do your homework, you do um everything you need to do to to know what you're doing. You're professional. Sometimes. Mostly. And um you know, so it was like okay, that's cool. You're going to work in a shop. Mm-hmm. You know, there was that guy in Worcester too.
0: That was Gardner. Yeah. Gardner. So those, those uh, two stories kind of tie in together. So yeah. uh, right around that time when I had, it was kind of on my tail end of, of working at Hot Topic. Um, the, this person came in and, and, and had uh, all this like weird looking pink jewelry, pinkish jewelry in her, in her ear. And I was like, what is that? That I've never seen anything like that. And she's like, "Oh, this is rose gold." And I was like, "Oh my god, I've never seen <laughs> rose gold before." You know, and epiphany, um, right? And and you know, they were looking around at our body jewelry at Hot Topic, and then her her mentor was actually there, and and we got to talking, and she was like, "Oh, I'm a piercing apprentice, and this is my my mentor, Christopher." And I met him, and you know, he was like, "Oh, you're a piercer, cool. You should come and come and check out our shop sometime." You know, and and that like, blew my mind, really, you know, and um, didn't really get much of a chance to, to go out there and, and see the place until, you know, fast forward six months or a year or whatever it was, and I was working at, at the, the the shop, and they extended an invitation, they said, we're gonna we're gonna do this special anatomy class just for body piercers. Uh, we're gonna hire a professor from the local college who, who teaches anatomy, and they're gonna strip down all the stuff that you wouldn't need to know. You know, skeletal anatomy and organs and things like that. You know, we're gonna just talk about skin and like the lymphatic system and, and all the, all the stuff that you would really need to know as a body piercer. And I think it was either two or three nights a week. For two or three weeks in a row, something like that, and it was like about three hours per class, and uh, I, I went, and it was like again, you know, like a like another chapter basically, you know, when I could really get the information because what I used to do is I would I bought this copy of Gray's Anatomy at Barnes and Noble and I would go through and I would highlight oh this is the page about tongues and this is the page about nipples and this is the page about cartilage and whatever and I would I would try to glean whatever technical information I could from that, but you you didn't get much, you know? So I took this class and it was really, it was really awesome and really inspiring. And their studio was amazing. You know, it was really forward thinking. They had all this stuff that nobody else in the area had. And I had never seen before surface piercings and gold jewelry and all this cool stuff and, um, took the class. And right at the time during that like three week window, that's when like my entire life changed. And what it was is, uh, hadn't been, paying the bills at all he hadn't been paying the rent at all you know for whatever reason he he really wasn't even showing up to tattoo much he would show up and he would collect the the cut that I was giving him from my piercings every week and I was thinking like okay I'm giving him x amount per month so we're good right you know like we're gonna stay in business just off of the strength of the, the piercing thankfully you know if he's not tattooing then our phone got shut off and then our heat got shut off and then the landlord showed up and uh was was like yeah okay i have to evict you guys because he hasn't paid rent in three months you know so all these things were happening and i was having like a meltdown you know i was like am i gonna have to go back to hot topic you know i there are no other studios around here that are that are piercing that i could work at you know and right at the right during that time that's when i was taking that class at the shop was called Bodmod usa and, uh, there was a time before that when we had tried to negotiate, uh, for me to work there, you know, and, you know, so one of those sayings is like, you know, uh, if you're, if, if you're good at something, never do it for free kind of thing, you know, and, and he was negotiating a, a price for me and I was like, well, you know, I, that's great and all, but I got this commute and I, I know I've, I've already got these skills and, and, and client base and all that stuff. So I think I'm worth this much. And we just, we can never find that middle road. But when I was doing the classes and I was like, Oh my God, are they, are they going to give me another offer or, or whatever? And at that time, that's when things were starting to fall apart at the shop. So I was like, Oh, well, you know, I could, I could jump ship and I could work here, you know, and, and whatever. But then, you know, I see it as clear as like a fork in the road. I I went into work and then that the landlord came in and said, we're evicting you, whatever. And then uh, I paged because we didn't have a phone. So um, I had to walk <laughs> down to the, the bus station a block away and use the payphone there. So 911, come to the shop and uh, he showed up and, you know, we just got in like a screaming match. You know, I was like, I quit my job to work here. I, I'm putting in all this effort and time and money and, and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm really trying to make something of myself. And now we're getting kicked out. And he was just like, look, straight up, like I, I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna I, I tattoo, I don't run a business, you know? And he's just like, if you want this, you can you can try you can try something here. So I was like, okay. And then just like a switch flipped, you know. Uh, the, the next morning I uh, I called the landlord and I was like, All right, how about how about this? You sign a new lease for me. For me to have my for my own studio here so the landlord was like cool you know if you can have the money to me by the end of the week i'll give you a shot i'll give you a one-year lease we'll see how it goes and then i went to i went up to concord i filed for a trade name uh i went to all the utility places and i switched the utilities over i did all that stuff in in one day and i typed up i typed up a contract then you know we got it uh, uh notarized and then it was that was it and then it was it was my shop and i had precision body arts you know and it was just completely insane that it just kind of came out of nowhere but that was on like I don't know let's say a Wednesday and then on like Friday I was going to take the the final class of that anatomy course at, at Bod Mod and I went in there and it was this moment for the class to be over and I totally thought that if you know if that hadn't happened the end of that class would have been like and now we want to offer you a position here if you want it but <laughs> the, instead of that I had gone to Staples and I had gotten business cards made and all this stuff. And I went in and I was just like, I'm the king of the world. I own my own shop now. And I was like, everybody, <laughs> take a card, Precision Body Arts, Precision Body Arts. And he just was just like, oh, well, congratulations, you know, and then it was just we just kind of went on their own way, you know, and again, me just being either naive or, or just focusing too much on something else, it never really clicked for me that it's like, oh. I wonder if he was going to give me a shot, you know? Um, That was like, you know, hit the ground running kind of thing. So uh, how much of that was I talking to you about at the time? Pretty Pretty much much all all of of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was really excited about it. I was a little cautious, um, more so because as the mom watching this whole thing play out. But, you know, everything happens the way it's supposed to. There you go. Yeah. You took it and you brought it Up to so many levels, you were going to, you know, clean it up, you're going to present a different kind of shop, you're going to have different kind of jewelry, you're going to have more professionals. Kevin came on board. It was, uh, it was pretty fascinating to watch.
0: Yeah, it was, it was tough. You know, I was really nervous at the time because, you know, I think I had maybe like three grand in my savings account, you know, and I, so I had to pay off the back rent and I had to do this and I had to do that. And then uh you know i had to do what i could with the budget i had you know because i i actually found a a ledger i was going through a box of like some sentimental stuff and i found the ledger for the first year that i was in business and it was like uh this piercing i mean I, this day i did two piercings you know and and then i was like looking at some of the totals and it was like week to week i was doing like 10 piercings in a week maybe 20 piercings in a week you know and trying to run a business off of that and trying to improve a business off of that trying to do whatever I could with my dad, you know, for like new floor or, or whatever, you know, and talking Kevin into, to coming over and, and, and tattooing and then growing it from there and everything like that. But it was a huge gamble and I'm really glad that I, I took the chance, you know, because let, let's say it hadn't gone well, you know, what's the worst case scenario would have been out savings from when I worked at Hot Topic, you know, and I could have gone back to doing something else, but like, luckily, you know, it, it worked out, you know, and then
1: I never had any doubt.
0: I'm sure you never had any doubt because you were always really supportive. You know, like I could always, I could see the look on your face sometimes where you're just like, well, at least it's not something worse, you know? So, you know, I, I appreciate it for you having the understanding of realizing that I I had no idea who I was for like a long time in my life, you know, and you were really patient while I was trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, when I finally figured it out, you know, everything, everything seemed to, like you said, it, it worked out pretty good. You know, I've, I've, whatever been like granted good fortune, and fate, whatever. Um, but I could, I could see it so clearly, like all these different decisions I made through my life and through my teenage years, especially in like my early twenties and everything, you know, like if any of those things had changed, you know, if, if you had said, no, you can't, you can't do that in my house. If you had said that, if, if, uh, you know, I, I hadn't been working at a hot topic on that day, that Allison and Christopher came in, you know, if I hadn't had the friends I had at the time, if I, if I didn't live in the area that I lived in, if I, if I didn't get that phone call from Lou, if I didn't know Kevin and Jen, and if I didn't this and that, it's like everything, it's like every single piece of it was the path that set me to where I am now, which is, you know, board of directors for the APP and traveling the world and, and teaching other people how to pierce, you know, and it's like,
1: with a killer shop with a killer shot and, well yeah you know people, know people who you know respect you and like you and
0: well the like part is
1: debatable but they like they respect well, me at least most of them yeah most don't like you right but i never had i had i never had any doubt one of your teachers said to me aren't you afraid to go to sleep at night <laughs> with your son <laughs> with your son because they were absolutely sure that you were going to be a serial killer And I said, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what his future holds for him, but I absolutely know with all my heart that it's gonna be great. And he's on an adventure and I'm there with him every step of the way. And you don't screw with my kid and that's that. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And still.
0: Well, it worked. You so, did. Thanks. Yeah, yeah I, I I haven't killed anyone yet, so you know.
1: It's a good thing.
0: When was the first time I pierced you? Was it the was it the, the big dermal punch cartilage one? Yeah. Yeah. So um what made you want that? Why? Yeah, but like why did you want a big dermal punch thing? Was that me talking you into it or you talking me into it?
1: No, it was because of the way I, I liked the way it looked. Okay. I just didn't like the way it hurt,
0: right, yeah,
1: <laughs> and it got infected, so you know we had to go gently.
0: I don't think it went it got infected in my profession, we call it irritated because you didn't need it... antibiotics, it was just big and swollen and angry, much yeah. like your other cartilage piercings that never really heal easily for you,
1: yeah, but they're okay now,
0: yeah, they're okay now, uh, so for the people listening i uh and,
1: and he's gonna do for the people listening, he's going to be doing two more for me,
0: am I yes, where?
1: There and there.
0: Okay. What your forward helix?
1: Yeah. I'm I'm off balance, so you have to balance me. Sure,
0: okay. Uh, I custom ordered I think it's a four gauge uh, fixed fixed back librette post with like a opal cluster from an metal on the front. So she's got good taste too. Um <laughs> And then I did your your conch on the other side with a curved cluster, and I did yep. your nose, and then your helix over here, which just never seems to heal for you.
1: No, it's fine now. Well,
0: it's fine now, but it took like a year to heal. Well, you know. Yeah. Um. At so the time. Yeah. So everything worked out in the end, basically. So.
1: Yeah. The only thing I get concerned about is when you get weary.
0: Yeah. Uh. So I've I've kind of made you know, if not a conscious decision, a subconscious decision to kind of sacrifice some of my own Ryan life for my professional Ryan life, you know, and I don't, I don't think it's a bad trade-off, you know, uh, I, I I know that I'm not going to do this level of work for the rest of my life, you know, so I figure right now, if I can, you know, if I'm at a peak or a plateau or or whatever I'm at right now, like I, I want to put in the work now. While it's really gonna make an impact on my future, you know, like I was always kind of raised to be a hard worker. You know, you always had multiple jobs, and my dad was always like taking as many hours as he could and all that stuff. And I really saw that, like, you know, if you wanna have the life you want, you have to work for it kind of thing. Like, nothing was ever handed to me. Like, you never coddled me as a child. You know, like you worked really hard to give me things, you know, but I also had that work ethic of like, you know if you if you want to get the wrestling pay-per-view this weekend you have to go out and mow the lawn and rake and do chores you know and stuff like that and
1: uh <laughs> excuse me
0: whatever sometimes whatever i was a kid you can't blame me for being lazy sometimes um so <laughs> you know, I realize that now, you know, I can see a direct correlation between like, I work this much and I get this in rewards for it, you know, and it's the same thing. Like I, you know, to, to grow the shop and, and make more opportunities for the other people that are working with me now, you know, like I have to, I have to do it. I can't stop doing it. You know, I can't let people down by dragging my feet. And, you know, now if I'm in a position where, you know, I'm, I'm on the board or I'm, I'm teaching classes for different conferences, like I can't, I can't dial it back right now, you know, and, and through, you know, through therapy, you know, I'm realizing like, where's that happy medium of like, you know, do this for yourself, do this for your work, you know, find some time for yourself. That's why I go to all these wrestling shows and stuff, you know, because that's what I really like to do. So it was worse. It was worse for me around the time that I opened this new shop. Like every time I've I've moved, you know, I've I've had complete breakdowns, like complete crying on the floor breakdowns because of just the mental stress that I put myself through, you know, the pressure like with the last shop, I did a lot of that work myself, you know, building the cabinets and painting and doing all that stuff. And I just, I couldn't handle it, you know? And at the time I was the only piercer at the shop and I couldn't afford somebody else to help me out with that. So it was a lot of weight to carry. And, you know, with the new shop, I paid a lot of professionals to do the work, but it was still, was a lot to manage with infrastructure and all the staff now that like works there and everything like that. Like it was a lot, you know, and had some, some moments where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I Whatever you know, so I I have kind of fixed it in my mind where it's just like this is it, like this is the last shop. I'm not expanding again. I'm not gonna open a second shop. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do that because I'm I'm happy with what I've got right now, and the people who work there are happy, the majority of the time, and uh, it's like it's it's good, you know. And now I'm I'm focusing on my home life a little bit more, and you know, taking more personal trips, you know, not a lot of personal trips, but, you know, doing stuff for myself, you know, so it's hard work. It was really hard work, but it all paid off and it was all worth it. So weary, but I'm just a naturally grumpy person anyway. You know, I've always had that kind of disposition of like, it's never going to be good enough kind of thing. But I think that's what kind of drives success. Sometimes I think if I was like one of those, everything was handed to them kind of people, you know, I, I wouldn't, want to work for it you know and and good enough would just be good enough you know but it's not you know it's like you know keep going sort of thing
1: i see that all the time but i i get concerned that you forget sometimes not purposely but you have to have a blend where you know you got to appreciate the people around you and you have to remember to laugh if you don't laugh then other people around you are not going to laugh and you want people to laugh around you, that's an environment that you wanna be in. And that's the environment other people wanna be in. You can be as driven as you want to, but if you forget how to laugh and make people feel good about themselves as well as yourself, then all you have is that black wall that you look at.
0: Yeah, that, that was a hard lesson, you know, because there have been times where I've been really tough on the people around me, you know, personally and professionally. Because I have this, maybe it's un, 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 unreasonable or like unrealistic view on, you know, perfection. I mean, perfection is unobtainable. I, I understand that. But it's it's always this kind of thing of like, uh, I don't want people to see me as Ryan. I want people to see me as body piercer professional kind of thing, you know. So, like, I, I'm, I really like to, like, police my image basically you know so I've got my friends and I do laugh and I do have fun and you know and I I do have that but I would say probably more often I'm I have that stern of like you know I don't want people to know that I laugh kind of thing you know I just want them to see me as like you know yeah he was a really good body piercer and then they go home you know and I go home to my life and then that's where I laugh you know I shut the door at home and I you know that's where I that's where I laugh but when it's at work you know, because you've seen it, and I know that I've been a dick at points, you know, where you, you've come in and all you want is a hug and you want to be proud and you want to, whatever, and I'm just like, I have to go work, you know, and I, I get it. And, you know, I, I apologize for that, but, you know. No,
1: that's you don't need to apologize for that, and that's not where I'm going with this. I totally understand. I don't want to be in the way. All I want is a hug. I already am proud. I don't need to be more proud. I already am. I think you're the best there is.
0: It's true. Really. I mean, when you think about it, I am the number one piercer.
1: We're bookends. Named
0: Ryan that lives in Nashua, New Hampshire. That's true. Right. That's very true. Top of the
1: list. Yeah. But I, no matter where I went, I couldn't go anywhere without somebody saying, Oh, Ryan Olette, Yeah. I know him. It's like, Oh, okay. That's in Tennessee. They know you in Tennessee. It's like, cut it out. They don't even know me in Tennessee.
0: Well, you live in Massachusetts, so yeah. I guess I'm doing something right sometimes.
1: You're doing something right all the time or most of the time. Most of the You're time. You're doing, yeah, you just have to remember to be human.
0: Yeah, that's not my strong suit.
1: Yeah, well, I'll give it a shot.
0: Yeah, okay. All right, well, thanks for momming it up with me, Mom. I um, love you. I love you.
1: I love you (laughs) (laughs) Alright, I think we have to hug now Okay I've always been proud of you Thank you Alright Even when you're a
0: dick Thanks Well, that's the majority of the time So you'll get used to it (laughs) Alright, I'm going to stop recording now Oh my god, that's gross. I love my mom, and she loves me. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Mother's Day episode of Piercing Wizard Podcast. Kind of a weird one, but uh, I liked it. Uh, back to the reality of uh, working. Uh, I've got some some news for that London class that I've been uh, kind of worrying about the the venue. Um they say that they're most likely gonna have everything all set but that they might need to do some maintenance or something like that so I'm going forward I announced the class I announced it for registration uh, Wednesday June 20th in London England so uh, if you're interested go to precisionbodyarts.com backslash seminars it's got all the info blah 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 blah. I've got an exclusive shirt at it. blah 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 and just in case this venue doesn't work out, I do have a second venue. It would just be, you know, a meeting room and a hotel. So it wouldn't be anything cool. But this other venue is kind of neat. It's like a art space, you know, jam space. Whatever. It'll be cool. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm not little discombobulated. I did an interview with my mom about my life. and it's weird. Uh, thanks for listening to all this, and I'll be back next week.